Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. Really excited to be here and and study God's Word. Uh, As mentioned, we'll be in Psalm uh, 6, where... I've entitled the Bible study this evening, Faith Over Feelings Through Prayer. And I think if we really think about it, we oftentimes get that backwards. We allow our, we allow our feelings to dictate far too much. We allow our circumstances to, to, to dictate how we feel. Our, our feelings dictate thoughts. Thoughts turn back into feelings, into actions. And all of a sudden, we're no longer placing our lives under the authority of God's word and who we are in Jesus Christ, but rather we're allowing our feelings to run the show. Or maybe that's just me. You know, as we read Psalm 6, maybe you'll relate to what David is saying because this guy is crying out to God. He is absolutely crying out to God. Maybe you're there. Maybe you've been there and you can relate to that. Or maybe you can relate to what David is saying, but you're, you're not really crying out to God at all. And one thing that I found is that pain Regardless of where that pain stems, whether it's from uh, sin and our own mistake, whether it's from what we've experienced in 2020, which we had no control over, regardless of the circumstance that caused the pain, pain will either do, sorrow will either push us to the Lord or away from Him. Depression will either bring us to our knees to seek God and all his goodness and the truth of his word, or it will push us away from him. It's one or the other. There's no middle ground here. And my prayer tonight, truly, my prayer tonight truly is that you be reminded of who you are in Christ, that your focus would shift from your feelings to the truth of God's word. And I wonder if we remember the importance of God's word in the life of the believer. I wonder how much we're, we're, we're doing just out of religious activity when we get up in the morning and we get our coffee and we grab our Bible and we're reading and those things are good and that's awesome and we should be doing that. But how much of that is really just a religious activity of going through the motions rather than really seeking the Lord, rather than devouring the word of God. As Jesus said, man cannot live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. God, I wonder the priority that God's word really has in our life. We know this. We know Romans 10 says very plainly, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If we're going to shift our focus, if we're no longer going to allow our feelings to dictate the course of our life, if we're gonna come to a place of having great faith over feelings, it must happen through prayer and devouring the word of God. And as we mentioned, even in the prayer points, God's word must be 
the final authority in our lives. Listen, especially in the culture that we're living in now. We must be rooted, planted in God's word. And you know, faith, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith stirred from God's word has the final answer, not our feelings. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ is the final authority. And I'll tell you this, if we are gonna doubt anything, let it be how we feel. If we're gonna doubt anything, let it be even some of the thoughts that we think. Not the word, not God's character, not the God, the one true God that is revealed to us in scripture. And you know, speaking of God's word, you know, January 13th, it's a, uh, a new year. I mean, you can't really watch anything or go anywhere without seeing new year, new you, all these campaigns, right? All these campaigns to, to, to lose weight and to get in shape and to do all these things and to set these goals and new year's resolutions. And listen, I am not opposed to that. It's great that we have goals. It's great that we take care of our body. It's great knowing that our body is a temple. It's awesome that we have those goals. It's great that we do those things. My question is, have we set any goals for our spiritual health this year? Truly. Because listen, it does no good to be ripped if your spiritual health is under atrophy. If you're abiding, I'm talking about a true abiding relationship with Jesus Christ, if that is lacking if we're more concerned about the diet and heading to the gym over our time in the word and our time in prayer, it might be time to reprioritize, right? In fact, Paul, in his, uh, in his first letter to, uh, to Timothy, he said this, he said, physical training is good but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. How about that goal? Truly, how about a goal to feast on God's word and pursue a consistent prayer life? Because one thing that I've learned is that there's a part of God's love and there's a part of God's care for me that I can only experience through prayer, truly through an abiding relationship with him, it's very difficult to abide if we're never speaking to him. If we're never, we can't abide if we're not still and quiet to hear the Lord speak to us, right? There's a part of God's love for you and care for you that will only be experienced through prayer. And, and even speaking of prayer, and I promise we're gonna read Psalm 6, but listen, even in speaking of prayer, I'm not talking about something we do, again, out of religious activity. When I'm speaking of prayer, I mean truly crying out to the Lord from the depths of our inner being. Crying out to Him to know Him more, 
to experience his love and his care for us that he makes so evident when we carve quiet time specifically for him because he loves us and he cares for us. And David, mm, David is full on crying out to the Lord from the depths of his soul. In fact, and I'm going to read from the New King James Version here, the title of Psalm 6 says, A prayer of faith in time of distress. So let's read Psalm 6 together, and then I'll, we'll go back and kind of chew on it a little bit in detail. So follow along. Psalm 6, beginning in verse 1. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are greatly troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver me. O save me for your mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of you. In the grave who will give you thanks? I am weary with my groaning. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. I know some of you are like wonderful, positive Bible study here, Pastor Ryan. Thanks for coming down, right? Listen, my eye wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. Now, notice the shift from feelings to faith. In these 10 verses, we see that prayer changes things. And I wonder if you remember that. Even as we were going over these prayer points, I wonder if it's just become a, a, a part of the, the motion of, 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 of what we do as being Christ followers. And okay, we got to pray. And okay, we got to read the Bible. I wonder if we remember that as we pray, even as there's prayer points on the screen and we're broke up into groups of three or four in here, that when we're praying, the one true God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, hears you. He hears you. Your, your words and your prayer is not just bouncing off the ceiling. I find great encouragement in that, great comfort in that, that the Lord through Jesus Christ would call me into a relationship with himself and allow me the privilege and the opportunity of being able to speak to him and having the, the confidence that he actually hears me and knowing, knowing he loves me because he proved that when he sent his son to the cross. And knowing that as I pray to him, he hears and prayer changes things. And with David, there's this literally from a cry of defeat to a shout of victory and assurance. I mean, there's no question this is a prayer in a time of great distress. 
And, and we know that Psalm 6, by the way, it's, it's the first of seven penitential psalms where the writers, in, in this case, obviously David, David is being disciplined by God and experiencing great suffering. These psalms were often sang the Wednesday before Easter on an eight-stringed instrument. And as David, it's very, very clear that David is suffering. There are a lot of people, even now, even tonight in here, people watching online, those on the radio, and you are suffering. You, you find yourself in a state of, of, of a ridiculous amount of stress. You, you, you are you are suffering. And, and, and listen, sometimes, and in David's case, it happens to be regarding sin. Sometimes we suffer because of our sin. Listen, there are prisons all across this country of, uh, where people with a true, honest, repentant heart are still dealing with the consequences of their sin. They are still suffering. And there are consequences, although our sin is forgiven and cleansed because of the work that Jesus took upon himself on the cross at Calvary. Our sins are forgiven. Still, there is without question still a consequence that comes from that sin. And that can create suffering, despair. And you know, sometimes, sometimes we whether it's sin and we make a mistake, we miss the mark and, you know, we're suffering. Sometimes it, maybe it's somebody else. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe it's not so much your sin, but it's the sin of somebody else that has caused you to cry out much like David is crying here. That happens. That's possible. And, you know, if you've never made a mistake, I'll, I'll, I'll wonder if you've ever stepped out in faith, by the way. Mistakes happen. Run to the Father, not away from Him. And you know, sometimes we, we pray. I mean, we truly pray. And we believe we're hearing from the Lord. And we compare it to Scripture. We filter everything through the lens of Scripture. And we, and we speak with other Christ followers. And we believe we're seeing God move and speak through circumstances. And, and, and we do step out in faith. And we make a mistake. And it causes great suffering. And oftentimes, people can be harder on you than the Lord is being on you himself. Run to the Father cry out to the Lord. One thing is clear, David, make no mistake, David is suffering. David finds himself in a state of deep, deep depression. And we don't really know what's happening for sure and the type of sin or the time frame. There's a lot of speculation. I appreciate Pastor Chuck. I, I remember hearing him say, when the Bible is silent, we ought to be silent. And there, there's speculation. Oh, it could have, this could have been during the time when he was experiencing the, um, you know, the heartache of the sin from the affair with Bathsheba and having Uriah killed. And then, you know, others think it's from a time when David was in the Philistine city of Gath and 
and Saul was literally chasing him down. But regardless of the type of sin or the situation that caused the pain David is experiencing, he runs to the Father. I think it was Sunday. I was here hiding in the back worshiping with you guys, and we sang, Run to the Father. And what an appropriate song that is to run to God, to bring our pain, our despair, our depression, our suffering, to go to Him and to lay it at His feet. And I think this psalm specifically is a huge example of how we ought to do that because that's precisely what we see David do. He runs to the Father, and in Psalm 6, in the very first verse, David cries out and he says, Oh Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Obviously, no question, David senses a reprimand from God. The Lord is scolding him in some way, in some way, excuse me. And it appears that he felt like God was angry with him. I mean, listen, he's saying, God, don't, don't discipline me in your anger, please. Never felt like God was angry with you? Never felt like David? There's some of you thinking that right now. And you know the word. And you know what the word says. And you're saved and sanctified and set free. And you're a child of God. But you're believing the lies, the accuser of the brethren that is saying God is done with you. God has put you on a shelf that you've made one too many mistakes and you can't be forgiven. Don't believe it. Don't believe the lie. The, the, the word of God must be the final authority. He is not done with you. In fact, if you're sensing a, a hand of discipline from the Lord, I would suggest to you that he's only trying to shape your character for the assignment that he has for you. He is not done with you. Don't believe it. It is a lie. It is a lie. This, see, this is where faith must override your feelings. See, there's a major, major difference as it pertains to the time frame that we live in versus the time frame that David lived in as he's crying out to the Lord. See, David lived before the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. We live on the other side of the cross. And because of that, listen, don't miss that. Because of that, we can be confident Today, because of Jesus' sacrifice for us, God does not discipline us out of anger. Do you get that? All God's wrath, all God's anger, all of that was placed on Jesus when he was nailed to the cross. We're reminded in 1 Thessalonians, for God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. All of his anger was poured out on Jesus as he was nailed to the cross. But make no mistake, God, specifically in his love and in his great care for us, will absolutely discipline us. But listen, it's important that you understand why, and it's important you understand how. The Lord does that. It's important to know he does it out of a place of love and great care for us. 
there are just people going through it. I was talking to my wife the other night. We were watching some weird show. It was called Dr. Pimple Popper. Weird. It's very strange. But in my defense, they weren't actually popping pimples. It was like weird cysts and all. Anyway, really weird stuff. But I, I literally was burdened watching that. As silly as it might sound, people, people are broken. I mean, people are going through it watching these people as they're living with these huge tumors and cysts and all these kinds of things that are having such negative impacts on their life. And, and, and then that and, and thinking even a, a little bit more in detail in, in regard to those things. I mean, people, people are hurting. People are just going through it. People are walking through a season right now, just beginning 2021, not even able to move forward because they're so latched onto the challenges they had last year. And those are significant and those are real and those are a problem. And some of you have experienced being sick with COVID or you've had a loved one that passed away because of COVID and this is very real for you and you're hurting and, and others, listen, you, you've made some mistakes. And, and maybe you're feeling the heavy hand of God's correction. Listen, listen to what the writer of Hebrews has to say as it pertains to God's correction, which again is only done out of a place of love and great care for us. Listen to this, Hebrews chapter 12. I recommend if you're taking notes, going back, read the chapter for the sake of context and continuity. I'll read a few verses here. Listen, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, listen, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Now listen, if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you are saved. You are a child of God and you've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness and adopted into the kingdom of light, signed, sealed, and delivered. No one can snatch you away from the Lord, right? That is a true fact. And because of that reason, the Lord is going to correct you. And even already for some of us, 2021 looks nothing like we had planned. Man, we were up late, you know, uh, New Year's Eve, and we were going to watch that ball drop, and we had all these plans and all these goals, and this is going to be a new year and a new me, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and this is going to be wonderful. And then guess what, what happened? Mm. Hmm. Not much happened, right? Listen. You're a child of God. It's time that you remember he is for you and not against you. And just because things are not working out the way that you thought they ought to work out for you does not mean anything other than the Lord is leading you in the path that he has for you. Whether it's loving correction, whether it's just leading you towards his will rather than away from it. Listen, 
And, and, and just listen as the writer of Hebrews continues to explain God's discipline, because some of y'all are dealing with this, and you don't know, you just don't know how to. You're getting frustrated. You don't know what's going on, and, and you, you feel like the Lord is done and not going to use you, and that is not true. As you endure this divine discipline, and I would suggest to you also that all discipline that comes from the Lord out of his love and care for you is divine. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who was never disciplined by its father? Those, those parents, you understand how bad of an idea it is to never discipline your child. Well, maybe if you don't, you know, maybe you don't have kids go through King Supers and witness a child that's never disciplined and you understand it's a bad idea, right? It just is. And I have four kids, by the way. My oldest is 23. He lives down in Vero Beach, Florida, kind of where we grew up. My wife and I um, has a daughter of his own and I'm a grandpa and that was just different news that I wanted to hear at that moment. Uh, such a blessing though. And then I've got three others. I've got Hannah, who is 12. Zachariah, I'm trying to really think and get the ages right here. Sometimes I mix up their middle names too. So Hannah's 12. Zachariah turned 10 in October. Kylie is nine uh, as of December. And they're all very different in their personalities. Hannah is extremely organized. Hannah wakes up and, and like she needs a schedule. If we're gonna go somewhere over the weekend, it's like, okay, dad, what are we doing? Where are we going? It's 6.08, what's happening at 7.32? Nine o'clock this, 10.30 that. That's my Hannah girl, love it. That's just her personality. Zachariah is just kind of a kid that's always prepared. And when I mean prepared, I mean, like he's prepared about just strange, weird stuff. Like, I, I remember, I got to share this with you. I take the, we go on a hike. I take this kid on a hike and we get, I kid you not, maybe 200 feet down the trail. And, you know, we're walking together and I notice he's kind of lagged behind. And I look back and Zachariah, he goes by Z, he's sitting on a bench and he busts out a whole loaf of bread, a whole thing of peanut butter, a whole thing of jelly. And he's got a knife and he's sitting there making a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Hey dad, you want one? But can we get further than 200 feet down the trail, pal? Like, I appreciate the fact that you're prepared, but I mean, we, we want to get somewhere, right? Always prepared. Kylie is kind of the same way. She's, we actually call her our thug princess because she'll put her Barbie dress on and boxing gloves and bring her brother, Zachariah, out to the garage and whoop him. She's just um, interesting. She's got her own little personality dynamic, obviously, right? But you know what? They don't like to be disciplined. And sometimes when I discipline my kids, it's difficult for them to understand in that time frame why it is I'm disciplining them. More, most recently is because of waking up and getting out of bed on time for homeschool. Because, hey, I mean, we're homeschool. We just wake up whenever, right? No. You have to sit them down and let them know, listen, you've got to get up by this time. You've got to get showered. You've got to get dressed. You've got to get ready. You've got to be at the kitchen table ready and prepared for your first lesson. That's the way that it is. And by me enforcing that, you know, you, you think I, you know, took away all their electronics like forever or something based on the, the responses that I was getting, right? But we, I have to do that. 
If I don't do that, I am robbing them of what they need to learn to function in, in the world, in our society, and to be responsible and to grow and to be mature and to know that life takes work and we have to get a job and we have to do these things, right? And you know what? I found honestly, just being transparent with you, like my kids who don't really like to be disciplined, neither do I. I don't like it. And at best, I have a skewed understanding of why I'm being corrected. No discipline is enjoyable why it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. And, and I want you to take note of trained in this way. Are we willing to be trained in this way? Because in the same aspect that our, our sorrow, our despair, our depression, the pain we feel, whether it's from sin or whatever, in the same fashion that that can cause us to run to the Father or away from Him, the Lord's discipline, His disciplining hand will do the same. We will either submit to God's training and be willing to choose faith over feelings, knowing that He is correcting us for a purpose. Are we truly able to do that? Are we there? And you know what's interesting as well, now that we're talking about this, David, in his crying out, he didn't ask God, he, 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 didn't, he didn't cry out and ask God not to discipline him at all. He only asked the Lord not to do it out of anger. And now watch as we see him appeal to God's mercy. Have mercy on me, he says in verse two. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak, O Lord. Heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? As David cries out, he's, he's literally asking God to lighten his hand of correction. He pleads for mercy. And it's, it's interesting to me that David really understands God's character here. Because David knows he can appeal to God's mercy. He knows that he can, he can ask for God's mercy even though he fell short in some area. Even though David knew there was sin in his life and he was suffering, he understood the character of God. And he knew as he runs to the Father that he could appeal to God's mercy. And he does it. God, I am weak. I'm just reminded of Paul. You know, Paul, we're told in Scripture on three occasions or on a, many times he, 
he, he came to the Lord with this, this burden, this thorn in his side, this messenger of Satan, this thing that we don't even know really what it was, but he was weak and he was over it and he cried out to God and he begged and in his weakness, he prays that the Lord would take this and God says, no. Not out of anger or a lack of care for Paul but because Paul needed to understand precisely what the Lord was saying. No, my grace is sufficient for you. And my power is made perfect in your weakness. And that's, for some of us, we need to hold on to that. Lighten your hand of correction, God. I'm weak, have mercy on me. And you know, if David knows that he can appeal to God's mercy, how much more should we? Because through Jesus Christ, we obtain both grace and mercy. Do you get that? Grace, the grace of God, the Lord lavishing on us, bestowing upon us, pouring out on us all those things that we don't deserve. He, he deposits his Holy Spirit into us as a down payment on our future inheritance and the riches that we have in Christ Jesus. He pours out his favor on us, his love on us. He pours out his very presence that we would know he is near. He pours out those things that we don't deserve, his grace. And on the flip side, he withholds those things that we do deserve. I know in his mercy, withholding the judgment that I deserve, I don't think any of us want what we really deserve, right? Listen, God's grace God's mercy, having an understanding of those two dynamics because of the cross of Jesus Christ is precisely what will lead to the peace that you need in your life right now. The peace that surpasses all understanding, a proper understanding of the grace and mercy that God gives us. Have mercy, David says. I'm weak. My bones hurt over this, Lord. I feel it in my body. Listen, there's literally a physical pain that David is feeling over his sin, over his brokenness, over whatever it is that he is going through for whatever reason in whatever time frame. I'm weak. My soul is greatly troubled. The soul that area of our mind, will, and emotions. Listen, David is tore up, laying awake at night like some of you with thoughts racing through his mind that he can't even control. These thoughts are racing and racing and racing and racing and there's nothing that he can do about it. You know what? You ever been there? You ever walk through a season of life and it doesn't matter what you do? It's just, 
the circumstances. You're playing things out in your mind. There's 4,000 different scenarios that you're playing out, none of which will probably come to pass, but hey, I mean, you got to think about it anyway, right? And it's just racing through your mind and it troubles you. Listen, you may not be able to do anything about the thoughts that pop in your mind and race, but you are able to do something about what you do as far as retaining them or handing them off to the Lord and saying, Lord, I don't want these thoughts. Please put better thoughts in my mind. Like, Lord, take this. I hold every thought captive under the obedience of Jesus Christ. And you know, it's interesting as well in a different psalm. Psalm 13, David said this, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? And David asks an interesting question in Psalm 13. And he asks an interesting question here in Psalm 6 as he says, Lord, my mind and my body, God, They are shot out over what I am going through here. Have mercy. And then he he says this in verse three, he says, how long? And I don't think David is looking for an answer as far as a specific time frame that this is going to end. Like, well, you know, next Thursday at 437, all this is going to be over. And I see light at the end of the tunnel and it's not stress looking for me with a flashlight. Like, this is wonderful, right? No, David is communicating the depth of his pain. How long, Lord? And in saying how long he begins to cry out for the Lord to return as if David feels far from God. And make no mistake, um, it's, it's been said, if you feel far from the Lord, guess who moved? And you know what? If you feel far from God tonight, he didn't move, you did. And while it is true that sin, unconfessed sin, and we'll handle that tonight, it is true that sin can separate us and hinder our communication from the Lord. He will never leave you or forsake you. How long, O Lord? Return, he says in verse four. Return, O Lord, deliver me. Oh, save me for your mercy's sake. For in death, there is no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks? Now, important to be careful as we approach verse five because it's often taken out of context to establish a platform for either soul sleep or uh, annihilationism. Uh, Listen, in the Old Testament, okay, we have a a murky or clouded view of uh, the afterlife at best. Okay, and it is true, like in the, in, in the book of Job, he makes comments like, I know my Redeemer lives, and we, we've got some uh, glimpses of clarity of uh, the afterlife, depending on the book of the Old Testament we're talking to. But again, David is living prior to the cross. Everything that we need to know in regard to the afterlife is found in Jesus Christ. Jesus actually taught us more about heaven and hell than anyone ever could. Why? Because he had a firsthand account and experience of the afterlife. In fact, check out 1 Timothy 1, 9, and 10. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because he deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time to show us his grace 
through Jesus Christ. There's that word many of you need to hear tonight, grace. Now watch this. And now he has made all this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. It is because of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we can be confident, unlike David, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And that is an amazing, sobering fact to think and ponder and meditate on to know that when we take our last breath here, we will in fact step into eternity in the very presence of God where we will praise him and where we will live with him forever and all eternity. Is that not an amazing truth? To, yeah, somebody please like praise him for that, right? That is huge. David, he didn't have that. We know absent from the body, present with the Lord. I'm weary, David says. I'm weary with my groaning in verse six. I'm weary. David is so tired of crying. All night I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. Listen, David doesn't want us to think that he literally cried a river and his bed is floating in his room and all that kind of stuff. This is a good example of hyperbole or poetic exaggeration, which we'll find in the Psalms. He, listen, he's just, guys, full on miserable physically and mentally exhausted. It's as if he has no more tears to cry. Some of you relate to that. Not so much because of sin, but because of a heartache that you've experienced. And I appreciate so much what Spurgeon said. He said, tears are liquid prayers that need no interpretation. So if you find yourself just with a heavy heart, please understand that God sees your tears. They're collected, actually. Do you know that? God feels your pain. He knows your struggle. He understands your heartache. Guys, cry out to him. Run to the Father, not away from him. And you know, you work hard in every single area of your life, every day. You work hard in every single area, yet you lack any labor in prayer. That stops. That's the change that you need to make in 2021 to labor in prayer. Guys, sometimes our prayers are answered like that. But you know what? Oftentimes, not at all. Keep asking, seeking, and knocking. You know, I'm confident David, he didn't know how or when God was gonna answer his prayer, but you know what? He kept praying until the answer came and it came. Watch the shift 
as we look at verse eight. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back and be ashamed suddenly. And suddenly there is a great shift. In verse three, David literally cries out, how long, Lord? And here we see the confidence that David knows God hears his plea. He hears his prayer. And we see this shift of faith over feelings through this prayer because prayer changes things. You know, he is convinced. At this point, David is convinced that God heard his prayer and he would triumph over all his enemies. All his troubles would pass away and eventually this hope, this faith over feelings would would restore even his physical and mental health. And you know the battle, guys, we know the battle is the Lord, but we must battle in prayer because prayer changes things. Do you have this confidence that God hears and receives your prayer? Do you believe that all of your enemies will eventually be put to shame? Listen, because of Jesus, man, because of what he did on the cross, you can be confident of that. If you're going to doubt anything, please doubt how you feel and doubt what you think if it's not lining up to the truth and the authority of God's word. You know, as I mentioned, um, we're going to close, get you guys out of here. I know you're thinking about In-N-Out Burger right now. It's a new development down here, right? I kind of am. Listen, my family and I, the past four or five months, we have walked through a season like never before. We have faced... uh, heartache like we've never known, ever. And it was interesting just prior to, well, just before Christmas when we landed back in Highlands Ranch, I was trying to figure out what I was going to get my wife for Christmas and I wanted to get her something unique, something different, you know, not the same old, same old thing. And I was just scrolling online and I saw this picture and it was just, it was just absolutely beautiful. It was just a picture of Jesus on the cross and the way they did it was just remarkable. And I had got her some other things and another picture that was family oriented with the kids' names and all kinds of, it was pretty neat. Um, But this this picture of Jesus on the cross really caught my eye. So I ordered it. should have been well in time, you know, to get uh, before Christmas. And I had to take a trip for work back to Florida. Um, I've been bivocational, you know, the whole time I was the lead pastor in Evergreen as well. Um, Went back to to Florida to work and was out to to dinner with a coworker, um, a guy I love and respect very, very much. We were at this Mexican restaurant and great food, best I ever had. And the phone rings. I don't answer it because I don't know who it is, and I'm eating. So a couple minutes goes by, I see that they leave a voicemail, and I look at the text 
you know, the, the, the text of the voicemail that was um, the dialogue. And it was a lady from King Supers explaining to me that a package to me was delivered to King Supers um, around the corner from our house in, in Highlands Ranch. And I'm thinking, that's really weird. I don't even know how you got my number, number one, but okay. So I call my wife, Megan, and say, hey, listen, you know, I need you to go over there and, and handle this. I don't know what this is. I didn't know at the time. Uh, so she does. Long story short, get back home. And, uh, and it, it just, in the midst of this heartache, guys, in the midst of being in a, in a spot where, like, you, you know, you just kind of feel like the world's against you. You ever been there, right? Uh, in a season of just crying out to God, like, Lord, where am I? What is happening here? Um, Megan had went and got the picture and, and, I, and I opened it up and it's not at all the picture that I ordered her. But I want to share with you the picture that was sent by mistake to me, but to King Supers first and then to me. And I want to throw that picture up on the screen just to show you what this picture said. Now they, they had to reformat it, but this is a picture about three feet by two feet, framed out everything. And the scripture, the scripture on there, you can see it, Joshua 1.9, just says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And we know that comes from Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you, God says. And, and he reminds you of that this evening. Have I not commanded you, be strong, and of good courage, do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And we know in context, the Lord is speaking to Joshua. We know Joshua had some pretty big shoes to fill as he steps into the, the, the role that Moses had in leading the people to the promised land. So much uncertainty. And in a time frame when we were facing so much uncertainty, so much heartache, it was as the Lord was just speaking to us directly saying, listen, I got you. It's okay. Be strong. Be courageous. It doesn't matter where you go. It doesn't matter where I send you. The fact of the matter is you're my child and I love you and I have great care for you. And no matter what you're walking through, he says the same thing to you tonight. Be strong. Be courageous. He is with you wherever you go. And it's an awesome reminder for us tonight. And, and, and I want to, as we close, I want to I adjust just a couple of things and the, uh, the worship team will come back up and we'll, we'll sing another song. And I want this to be a very intentional time. Guys, I don't want this closing song just to be going through the motions like we would do any other Wednesday night or anything like that. I really, there are a, a few things that we need to talk about. Number one, if there is unconfessed sin in your life, the Lord out of his love for you, out of his great care for you, he is calling you to repent of that. He is calling you to bring that sin to him. He is calling you to be rid of that. He is calling you to turn from, from that and to, to move in the direction that he uh, is, is trying to lead you. And I'm going to remind you of what 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If that's you in here, don't mess around with that. The Lord loves you. He wants nothing to hinder your communication with him. So whether it's during this song, and I know after we'll have um, uh, pastors up here to pray, I'll be over here as well. I'd love the opportunity to pray with you. Uh, If there's something specific I can pray with you on uh, or about, please um, use this time to run to the Father, to bring that to him. And there are others that are, you're hurting not so much because of sin, You're just broken because perhaps you've been hurt by other people and you're you're holding on to this bitterness. Listen, you gotta let it go. And you need to run to the Father and you need to lay that at his feet and you need to allow the Lord to minister to your heart and mind right here and right now. Whether that's you in here or listening online, or on the radio, run to the Father. Bring that brokenness to Him. Cry out like David did. And still, there might be some listening that absolutely do not have a relationship with God altogether, that you do not know Jesus Christ as your savior. I remind you that the Bible is very clear and states that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved and you will be adopted into God's family. If that's you here or if that's you listening online or the radio, listen, Today is the day of salvation. Now is the time to handle that. Be certain for you to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. The only way to be certain is to be forgiven because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. And we're gonna pray and the the band, uh, the the worship team will play a song. And and, and I wanna, I I just wanna pray in case there's somebody in here that needs to know Christ, someone listening that needs their sins forgiven. I would ask all of you listening, you that are a child of God, if you would bow your heads and just pray, pray that the spirit would move in this place through the airwaves, that those that don't know Jesus would come to know him right now. Pray that. And if you are listening, wherever you are, And you want to accept God's free gift of salvation. We are saved through faith alone. There's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. If that's you, I want to lead you in a prayer. Very simple. A heavenly Father, God, I recognize that I'm a sinner. I recognize that I fall short, God, of your standard. Lord, I believe that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for my sins. And I accept what he has done for me. I believe, Father, I confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
and I make him the Lord of my life, and I believe, God, that you raised him from the dead. God, thank you that you saved me because of the blood that was shed on the cross. And thank you that from this point forward, with the help of your Holy Spirit, I will follow you to the best of my ability for the rest of my life. God, I repent of my sin. I receive your gift of salvation. And I put my faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Guys, that's how we are saved through faith, not of works. If that was you, I just congratulate you on being adopted into God's family. And as we close out service and the worship team plays, I pray, guys, that you would, you would use this time intentionally to seek the Father, to run to the Father with unconfessed sin or with brokenness. Use this time, guys. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.